2: we are live back to the lakers fast break podcast i am your host sean grice aka magic man i am going to be having some guests along shortly hopefully stone hansen and joe soro will be able to make it we are coming live to you after the uh, lakers defeated the thunder 123 117 and i'm joined by My great guests, Joe Soro and Stone Hansen. And Stone, I'll start with you. After watching the performance tonight, what did you make of it? And what did you think about the Lakers deciding to sit Anthony Davis on the back end of this back to back and not the front end?
3: Definitely a weird move. Um, Not that if you are sitting him one of them, uh, which apparently there is no real need to sit him for either of the games. But if you are going to, I definitely would have sat him for the Memphis game, having known that you are going to miss the ball handling needed uh, going up against a better team than the Thunder uh, tonight. I thought we played much better offensively tonight. Uh, We took care of the ball a lot better. Um, I think we, we basically played as good as we possibly could have with the personnel that we had available for tonight on offense. On defense, I thought we were a complete mess. Um, I think that uh, we continue to have problems containing the perimeter uh, and starting Mo Bamba was a super odd move, I thought, especially considering the very like the very first bucket that you saw was a two on one fast break and Bamba didn't know which guy he should stop uh, caught in no man's land, uh, which is, um, you know, kind of par for the course with him. Uh, I definitely would have started Vanderbilt at center and, and maybe Hachimura at the four. Um, and defensively, we were just like, there's no possible rim protection available. Uh, we were just getting attacked at the rim over and over again. Uh, if it weren't for how good we played offensively, I think we definitely would have probably given this game up, but uh, we did shoot extremely well, and we, we shot pretty, pretty well last night as well, so that's what really kept us in it. Um, so for that, I am thankful, uh, and I'm happy that we did win a very vital game.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Considering that uh, Golden State is now on a three-game winning streak, the Lakers are the lone team in the Pacific Division now with a record under 500. So it's important that we get as many of these wins as possible. Joe, what were your thoughts on the game, and uh, what did you think
1: about the decision to start Mobamba? I, I think I've I've explained the load management enough to keep it at that. (laughs) Okay. The only time this decision isn't bad is when you win. So we can just not discuss the load management topic tonight because the Lakers won which means it didn't matter in the end. So we'll leave it at that. The Lakers played a game that was pretty inspiring for guys that are trying to come They're on the come up, you know, guys that are fairly new on the team and trying to get some kind of chemistry going. The encouraging thing about tonight, at least for me, is Portland is leading right now against the Pelicans. And with the Lakers winning tonight, there's a very good chance if Portland sustains that lead through the entire game, that we will be tied in the loss column with the Pelicans. So while we've been talking about, well, let's get the 500 first, (laughs) my 500 has been the Pelicans because that's kind of like the first thing that needs to go before I start thinking about the Lakers positioning. The Lakers positioning doesn't seem to be a priority for themselves. I know that's kind of harsh to say because they would probably come back and argue, "You're, you're, you're a jerk. We are trying to do this. We're trying to preserve as much as we can here with all this. Yeah, okay. But it's it's a mentality that, that, that gets lost in that. There's a mentality that we've already seen get seared when you were on the come up, when you won five in a row, and then you decided to sit when you didn't have to against the best team in the league, record-wise at that time, in the West. So it's hard to not be jaded in this situation on what to expect, which I reiterated before that I'm going to take every game game by game. Uh, I don't want to predict anything. It's a waste of time. We obviously already saw it. You know, we we lose yesterday, really, not because AD played or didn't play. We lost yesterday because... I mean, I guess you could say uh, uh, Delo D- not playing was was a, was a big part of that and I, I said that yesterday, but a lot of it also had to do with the fact that we had 26 turnovers. If we have yes. 16, we have 16 turnovers last night, we would have won that game. And it, it, it's it's hard to it's it's such a bi- bi- bipolar atmosphere. It's such a bipolar atmosphere with this team and the, this league. you you can't, you can't be comfortable. I guess maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, Mm -hmm. maybe Denver, I think uh, Boston Celtics, maybe they're the only three teams that kind of have some consistency. If you could throw in the Sacramento Kings, considering they haven't made the playoffs in 17 years, maybe that's, that's something where they're like, yeah, I'm enjoying this ride. Right. So, but for us, it's just hard. We have to wait 20 more games To really see what we really want to see, which is we're not going to have to worry about these decisions in those games should we get in. The Lakers are not going to sit there and go, oh, no, we, well, should he play? No, these are playoff games. There's no back-to-backs in playoff games, so that obviously will play a factor in not having to worry about it. And at this point, I'm going to enjoy the win tonight. I thought that Rui had his best game as a Laker tonight. Schroeder played through a, a, a turn ankle. Matter of fact, his turn ankle looked worse than even Delo's. The fact that he came in and still played and played effectively—that was very nice to watch to, to see.
2: What was and, what was nice to see was the depth showed up tonight. The Lakers had six players in double figures. Yes, and four out of their five starters were in double figures. The absolutely. only player wasn't was it Jared Vanderbilt, and we don't ask him to do that on a nightly basis. A-
1: absolutely, right? and I I, I I strongly want to. Say this, I I strongly want to remind everyone out there how this becomes a very important process right now for next season. Okay. This is what happens when you have some talent and some youth. Okay. Beasley, Vanderbilt, Reeves, these guys are not going to drop 25 a game. Okay. It's not going to happen, guys. This is just, it, it's not, these are not, they're not that kind of players, but what I hope the Lakers can get out of this is a, a continuous development of youth and some guys that are getting better and some guys that are hungry to get paid and some guys that would fit their roles and be happy with their roles. So that when you go into the off season, you can grab a couple of more guys that either are even in talent with them, or maybe a little bit better, or at least one more guy that might be like a like a third star, but not, you now go in the next season not having to worry about the decision to sit AD on a back-to-back or LeBron because you feel very, very comfortable going against whatever team you're going against and winning without them. There's going to be more understanding there at this point because we're fighting something that I just don't think we're going to win. The only way we win it is if we stop watching. And unfortunately, we have... A show here that's becoming very, very popular, and we'd be doing a disservice to ourselves, and obviously, people who respect us enough to listen to us and care what the hell we're saying. Which sometimes I have to go back and forth on why that that is, but I appreciate it, anyways. <laughs> go ahead. Go. You know what?
2: There's an old saying in Russian that that's like, um, you know, when life is well, don't question why.
1: It's a very good. It's a very good. Just response. roll with it. Uh, Just roll yeah. With it's, it's, you, it, you, know? you, 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 and I say that not because I'm insecure or not confident. It's because I, I put myself in their position. And right and, and, right. and, right. And one thing that I, one thing that I, I got from a few performers in the history of, 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 let's say entertainment, because this is considered entertainment, right? It, it's, yes. no matter how you look at it, this is entertainment. Yes. So Liberace, the great pianist, the, probably the greatest performer of a piano still to this day, at least in terms of right. showmanship, right? Mr. Right. Showman, you know, that man adored his fans and they adored him back. He was so concerned about not letting them down. And it, and it's funny because I use Liberace to go to the next phase, Jordan. Wanted to play every game because he didn't want to let that kid down. That's going to watch him. That, that's going to be at that one basketball game his whole life. Or and Kobe took that too and said the same thing. And Ant Man said that to th- this year as well. So it's nice that that's th- there's some remnants of the, that, right?
2: The, the spirit's still there. The Correct. spirit's so, still so, there.
1: So I'm going to end this because I'm, I'm kind of getting a little philosophical. Yeah, little I want to get back here, to right? the stone here. Right. So we're 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 trying to do that here and. That's why we're here that's why we're going through all these headaches and phases because, <laughs> because we want we want we want to be the therapist to our people here you know <laughs> at least
2: <laughs> absolutely and so so moving forward stone I thought I'd go ahead and ask you this question. We're about 15 games into the Rui Hashimura experience so here are the numbers so far stone 25 minutes a game 10 and a half points. from the field, five and a half rebounds. How do you feel about his performance so far? And given all the moves that we've made, you know, amongst Laker fans right now, the talk is that probably the the odd men out right now would probably be Mo Bamba and Rui in the offseason. But I wanted to get your thoughts on his performance so far and what you see him in anyway as future as a Laker.
3: I mean, tonight was probably the best Ruri Hachimura defensive game I might have ever seen in his career. Like He is generally just a terrible defender, uh, but he was really good as a, a help side shot blocker tonight, um, something you rarely, rarely see out of him, and unfortunately, that's just not something you could rely upon moving forward. Like, he's not shown it throughout his career over four years or so now, um, and It's just not a part of his game, really, even though he played well tonight. um, And, you know, I commend him on that. Uh, It's just not something you could rely upon night in and night out. Um, I think he serves his purpose uh, as like a 10th man on most teams who can space the floor a little bit as a bigger guy. Um, But when you pair the defense with a lot of passing issues, um, him and Lonnie, that's another thing that really bugs me with Darvin Hamm is he does not stagger their minutes. Obviously, it's more difficult when you have three of your stars sitting out. Um, But both those guys are just really bad passers. Um, Not only do they not tend to pass a lot, but when they attempt to, a lot of times it gets picked off because they're passing out um, because they have to bail themselves out of a situation they got themselves in rather than than making plays for other guys uh, that is drawn up or be secondary tertiary initiators um that's just not really a part of their game and having two of those guys doesn't really make a lot of sense to me uh I think Rui is fine but he's a very replaceable player uh I think that he's not someone that needs to be like a part of the Lakers future if he's costing you more than um you know like a a mid-level exception uh there's just other guys that can do what he does uh that are probably going to be cheaper than him in the offseason so I'm not too worried about keeping him uh the only thing that does make sense to me is if you can if the nba still values him at a level that's probably higher than what his his production is uh, and you sign him to like a six or seven million dollar deal that's a contract that you can now attach in as a part of a bigger deal in order to get uh, someone a little bit more valuable into the lakers at the deadline or or, um, early in the season
2: this is rafael from nbadraft junkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break
0: Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm
3: shift where...
1: being promoted and this is a thing where audiences
0: do not agree with critics that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse
2: every week on apple podcasts and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options joe would you echo stone's sentiments do you have a
1: different take that makes a lot of sense yes uh rui guys like rui and mobamba are replaceable if the price is too high The guys I'm thinking about bringing back are likely the ones that we got for the Westbrook trade. Beasley, Vanderbilt, and D'Angelo Russell. Those are the guys that I think are going to be a priority. Rui would have to do something in the next 20 games to really put himself on another level. I don't know how that that will play out. We've seen Rui play with LeBron and AD. Uh, His game isn't significantly better or worse either way. Mo Bamba, has a, what I think is a confidence issue. When you you, you see someone that doesn't have a motor, typically Mm -hmm. it's a confident thing. But when you look at someone like Beasley, you look at someone like D'Angelo Russell, those, especially Beasley, those guys are going to benefit playing with two guys like AD and LeBron and their games are going to be even more scary. Beasley's going to have open shots, especially if LeBron can play on a consistent basis, which... Part of that is going to be having a a Beasley and a a D'Angelo Russell. And then Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to be one of those guys that we don't know his ceiling yet. We don't know what he's going to turn into yet. We do know he has amazing anticipation skills. We know that he's got the ability to to, to play good team basketball. Uh, He he can't score really that well, which is fine. We have enough scorers on the team for that. But if he can... If he can be a starter, let's say, on this team and and be the shutdown guy, that's that's a very valuable asset for this team because now you don't have to worry about LeBron or AD taking up all of that side of the court as well. You can let LeBron rest a little on offense and obviously let, leave him to, to to rest a little bit on defense. However, with this, the Lakers do need to bring in a big that can mesh with AD. I don't know who that is yet. I don't know who's going to be available for that. That, I would say, would be the main priority after you take care of your in-house guys. That would be probably a very important part of helping AD not have to play Ed Reed uh, uh, defense next year, which zaps a lot of his energy there as well.
2: So let's talk about that for a second because Vanderbilt is under contract for next year at least we have that
3: league, one be, of the best be, value contracts too in the league yeah
2: absolutely stone absolutely and so if i was if i was rob palenkin obviously we're not but i mean three smart people here i'd be looking to see if jared vanderbilt's interested in extension that would be yeah. my number one goal two do you qualify off austin reeves and and, and risk putting him out there or do you guys, would you guys just offer him a, a straight up extension? What do, what would you think is the best course of action there? Stone, I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I would definitely uh, agree that I would offer an extension to Vanderbilt and I would also offer an extension to Austin Reeves. I think Austin Reeves uh, provided, his shooting has obviously come a long way. Um, he's I, I, I think the closest thing we have to a point of attack defender at the moment, um, which is not saying much because the bar is pretty low, but uh, he has that capability, I think, in him um, over time. If you can get Austin Reeves on like a three-year, twelve million dollar deal, I would do that. Hundred um, percent. If you Vanderbilt, his defense to me is like an all defensive level type guy, uh, and those guys are very tough to acquire and and come around. Uh, and you can see the sort of energy that he brings to us. Um, like I would be willing to pay him you know 18 20 million a year over the course of three to four years. Uh, I think he's that valuable defensively to us um and, and that's a huge place that we tend to struggle in so you need to maintain or retain the the defensive help that you have um and uh, I know you didn't ask about them real quick, but I just wanted to bring in like Beasley I did touch on it a little bit last night. I think it's yep. very important that we retain both him and Delo uh and beasley has the team option which is super valuable to have a team option in your contract for the team uh and then uh delo whether we agree that he's necessarily worth like a 20 25 million dollar deal uh he might not live up to it in his production necessarily uh on some nights but i think it's important you bring him back um not only because of the role that he might play for the Lakers, but again, keeping those salary slots is super important for the Lakers because you need salary slots in order to be able to make moves in this league. And if you're giving that away and start signing a bunch of minimum guys again, it's extremely difficult to improve the team. So for that alone, I think just keeping the salary slots is super important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, there he there is a tre- treasure chest there of skillful, complementary players and I agree with Stonehansen once again you know if you you bring back those four core guys Reeves, Vanderbilt, Delo, Beasley uh, you know I, I think you got something there you you're you're starting to cook with peanut oil you probably still need to make a, a move or two to uh, accentuate what you have but there's there's definitely there's definitely a lot to work with there I would definitely put those like four guys as top priority stone agree a hundred percent. And welcome Gerald Glassford, the pod father.
0: You know, I was watching the start from where I was picking up my wife from work. And it's funny. The first few seconds I see Sean start, then all of a sudden Sean disappeared. And I was just like, okay, I either could have a panic attack, and since she works in the hospital, I could easily go walk myself into the emergency room, or I could just shut my phone off and hope that everything is okay. And I'm so glad to see everything is okay. Uh, Sean, I've hit the wrong button on more than one occasion, so all is good, my friend. So all is good. Yeah, okay.
2: Jared, it it almost felt like I was um, I was an alien. <laughs> and I, would, I felt myself just flying out the back there. And somehow, someway, I was able to close the door. And Stone and Joe have uh, been fantastic for me. So I've been very fortunate tonight.
0: Absolutely.
1: Joe, you have any comments? I'm going to answer some questions for the gang on the chat room. That's some have mean. mentioned, should we move away from Anthony Davis? That that question can be right on both ends. But the reality is they're not moving away from him. So we probably should just not really think about it. They're not trading Anthony Davis in the summer. Uh, if they traded him, they're essentially going into rebu- rebuild mode, which they're not going to do that. As far as what Zangerstein said about what difference would it make if we got a big anyways, because Darvin Ham won't play that big because he's in love with... uh, Four guard lineups. Well, if your coach can't set a good enough rotation, then you need to find another coach. However, this team has had, I believe, thirty-four different starting lineups this year. So he does have a little bit of an excuse on why he's stuck in really no man's land all the time. Now their decision. And I say there, as in the Lakers decision tonight, was to sit A D, or A D felt unhealthy. And they kind of bailed him out and saying it was us, it wasn't Davis. Uh now my the You cynic, don't
0: think this was planned ahead of time. The Sean? cynic
1: the cynic in me says it's it's that it's like that, that person who breaks up with someone. It's not you, it's me. It's a total bullcrap, bull crap, by the way. Um, At the end of the day, this is the problem with this team and the problem it's had. It speaks over here like this, but then the rear end comes, the the rear end shows up and talks. It's like, pick, pick, pick. Who are you? Just admit you're soft. Just admit you're load managing at this point. Stop hiding it. Uh, Stop hiding these, well, we're reevaluating in two weeks. What are you getting out of that? This isn't that you're not playing week to week, only 17 games throughout the year where you're playing this gamesmanship with the next team. Okay. They're playing 82 freaking games a year. You're not hiding anything from anyone. We're in it every day, practically every other day. So I don't know what the hell their thinking process is there. How about we get a a training staff uh, that doesn't, that can protect our players ankles for once. How about that? Can you not be secretive about that? Can we can we get to making that a public thing, please? But in the end here, a win makes us feel good tonight. We'll see what happens Friday. Looking at the box score right now um, for the NBA, the last time I checked, the Pelicans were down in Portland. They're so up I'm by gonna, one. Okay, so they're up by one now? Yeah, second okay. quarter. So my hope is that if we can uh if we can if we can have Portland come through here and win this game then the Lakers are in a very good position after tonight Portland would still
0: jump over the Lakers into the tenth tenth spot but the Lakers would be virtually in a tie for that mm-hmm. spot just to let you know it's just okay. based off of records. can I ask you guys something else? we we touched on it on the playback and I know Sean your answer on it already you can elaborate on the show but stone I, and Joe I wanted to hear more. Okay, yes, we got away with the victory today without LeBron, AD, and D'Lo. Yesterday, we obviously lost, and Joe said we would have won. And I agree with Joe, looking more back on and out, that we would have won with an extra player on hand or an extra good contributor, at least somebody who could handle the ball. But when you think about it, Stone, it looks, sounds like to me, and and precautiously is the word that was used by Darvin Ham uh, earlier today, I have a feeling that this was planned from the get-go as far as AD sitting one of these back-to-back games out. In hindsight, yes, I know the Lakers won, but would you have sat him down on Tuesday and played him on Wednesday instead?
2: He's already answered that question, Gerald, in earlier in the podcast. I did ask Stone. That. Oh, you
0: did? Okay. So yes, I've...
2: sir. I did. Great minds okay. think alike, Gerald. There you go. But, but I will elab- Please elaborate, Stone. Sorry, Gerald. Yeah. I mean,
3: I did say that. I think that he, I would have preferred him if he's going to miss one of the games to miss last night as opposed to today. But I know for a fact that when the NBA schedules come out, a lot of teams will meet with their superstars that have any sort of injury history uh, and their, their coaching staff, their medical staff and the player will sit in a room together and plan out what days am I going to sit and, 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 And from before the season starts, they know which games they will not be playing. This is generally for guys that have an extended injury history. I think with the issue is the uh, you should be able to adjust to that. I think uh, it's fine to plan it out, do whatever uh, you usually do. But uh, if the season is going a different way, um, obviously we had unexpected injuries that happened uh, before last night's game switch them it's not that big a deal. Uh, I yeah. think that if you have the ability to do so like it's it's not that big of a deal to just switch the nights that you sit if you plan that out. the other thing is I do agree that the NBA needs to be a lot more transparent with why they're sitting guys. There's certainly data uh, and analytics to back up certain injuries uh, and, and why you were sit not all but certain uh, and why um, it's important to sit certain guys. Um, But if the fans don't know that and people don't know that, which most people don't, most people are tuning in to watch a Laker game uh, and they'll just see, you know, AD sitting out, uh, which, you know, he he probably could have played tonight. There's no reason to really sit him. Uh, And they should have data that the training staff should put out data backing up. This is why we're sitting him for tonight. This is why we have to make sure that he's getting his rest or whatever. And I, I think the NBA, there's got to be a way to work that into the CBA. Uh, it probably doesn't happen because usually what I want to happen doesn't in the CBAs, but that's got to be a priority. I think.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's just something that they need to look at, but even the way Darvin Ham was speaking earlier today, you knew this was something that they had already set up previously beforehand. And just the word precautiously and just the way that they, it's like, everybody knows it's like the elephant in the room. We know everybody knows he's not actually, if it was a playoff game, he would have been there. He would have been playing. You know, if the, if the season was on the line and it was a back-to-back game, he would have been there. He would have been playing, but, seeing all things that we know now is just like Joe is has been adamantly about it and just so right about the, the from the get-go in regards to this player management thing and how you're right stone and how they should try and structure that into the CBA they won't and this is going to continue until it gets to the point where people stop watching and people stop paying for what they want to see in the NBA they'll just go on and do something else
2: yeah 100 percent. A hundred percent, they will. Uh, there's no question about it. the, they, they're, they're. I'm not sure what the tipping point is here, though, because this is kind of an unprecedented situation, as far as sports is concerned. This this rare. This rarely happens in other sports on a on a continual basis as it does in the NBA. Not in soccer. Not not in football. Not in baseball. Not in hockey. Um, so it's very unique to the NBA that, that, you know, that's, but that's one of, I think they the defense mechanisms that the PA can use because there is data and there is science pointing to, you know, yeah, overexertion can, can be detrimental to a large human being playing a physical game. And there's a lot of blunt force trauma in that physical game. And there's a lot of jumping and leaping and running and turning. And yeah, but Joe also has a point that, uh, you know what? There's an old saying, right, Gerald? The customer's always right. Well, the customers right now are saying, okay, if there's a load management situation, We can deal with that because Stone eloquently stated that, you know, before before the season, uh, usually teams and a player with an injury history will map out basically through 82 games where there's a chance to sit or rest. I think the NBA will have to get to a point where. In the past when the media asked them to release the uh injury report and specifically what particular injury the player sustained or has that they'll also ask okay these players are on uh load management which games are the missing because that way certain fans can plan in advance for that and ultimately gerald i think that would be the only tipping point here that would stop them. That would prevent them from coming. If the NBA keeps, keeps fans and the media in the dark about when a particular superstar is, uh, or superstars, plural resting, uh, it, it, it can create, you know, a lot of resentment among the paying public and, and the, and the media as well, especially your TV partners who pay a lot of money for those contracts. And they're going to be negotiating a new TV contract soon as well. And they're going to be saying, hey, you know, you want us to pay a lot of money for this. Well, we want to see the best that you have to offer. And that doesn't mean them missing 25% of the games.
0: Juan Velasquez just was pointing out, because he's got tickets to the Lakers and Suns on the 22nd. My question is, let's say he goes to that game and AD doesn't play. And LeBron, of course, is not playing and all that. You know, when you go and you you pay full price for something and you don't get the full package out of it, you can ask for a discount. You can go to the management and ask for something, something to be taken off. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you take care of me on this or something like that? The, maybe that's something that they should you know evaluate and look at. Okay, if the Lakers don't have X amount of stars on the court, maybe they should give a discount. Now, I know they will never do that, but maybe if something was like that was done or the money was taken directly out of the players' pockets for missing these type of games for just load management reasons, maybe that's something they should consider, which will never happen.
1: There's no reason for it to happen. It sounds like the salary cap is going to go up, which means the league is making money. Plus, Silver was uh, the first commissioner to really champion the uh gambling part of sports so it doesn't really matter gamblers don't give two craps about who the players are and if they're gonna dominate this business of sports even more the the fan becomes even more insignificant because the fans today versus what they used to be uh are different because People go to games right now not to uh, really watch the game. They're there to watch themselves on the jumbotron. They're there to take 50 pictures of themselves, putting oil on themselves, and then post it on Instagram to show who they are. They show that I went to a Laker game and I'm hot stuff. Now that's not that's that, that used to be only for the stars. The stars wanted to be out there showing people hey, I'm at a Laker game, right? It was a marketing ploy. It was Dr. Bus saying, hey, if the stars are out there, the fans will come look at us, the stars, right? Now people think they're all stars and they're just doing all this stuff, doing their little butter or duck butter, whatever the hell it is that they do with their lips and posting it and showing what an amazing life they're they're living. And then they go back home and uh, their rent is late for two months. So that's that's the world we live in. Those guys don't have any power, don't give two craps about the league or the quality of the game. They just want to take a picture of their rear ends as much as they can out of the game. (laughs) So that's, that's where we're at. And then people like us who are complaining are watching this for four hours. I spend
2: at least 15 minutes every three, four months thinking about that specifically. You're a business partner. You have a a business. You've entered into a business with 30 other men. There are 450 of you. You're in a business with 30 30 men in a club. And they've said, yeah, it's like a 50-50 split. There's There's just no more incentive to wanna work your ass off as much as you can and perform as hard as you can and be in front of the fans as much as you can with that much on the line, and it, and you know, I I don't disagree with Joe. I think there's there's more of an emphasis uh, on individuality. I, I mean, we see it we see it a lot with per, with performances on the court as well at times. But I just think there's more of a individuality than there is um, a concept and the image of being a team because it's it, there are thirty teams in this league and 450 guys and Stone watches so much film uh, about guys who just want to scratch and crawl and would step and would slay a dragon to be in the position these guys are in. And, you know, that's the kind of attitude that, you know, fans, we want to see. We'd like to see in a lot of them, not just Anthony Edwards, or just not Jalen Brunson, but, you know, a lot more, a lot more, because it's, it just seems that, you know, the heart, the heart of this game is about wanting to be the best that, you know, Kenny Smith said it best, right? Jerry He said the regular season is where you make your name. The playoffs are where you make your fame. Well, you can't make your fame if you're not playing in the regular season.
1: Because there's not going to
2: be any fame.
1: It's it's worse. It's worse. And it's not just basketball. You look at all these fake boxing matches. You have these guys that are trained fighters losing to celebrity fighters. What do you think? I'm stupid? <laughs> you think I'm stupid? This guy's been training? So, so
2: Gerald, let me ask you a question.
0: Okay, but make sure you get Stone because he hasn't been able to chime in for a bit. So,
2: okay, Stone, do you, um, with the uh, absence of AD tonight, would you expect uh, D'Lo and AD to be available Friday? And if so, what do you make of uh, the chemistry absent LeBron? that uh, possibly D'Lo can cement in the offense.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think AD will be back because it sounded like he could have played tonight. So I don't think that there's really any injury concerns. Uh, it sounds like the Lakers have been targeting to get Delo back by the Wolves game. Uh, and I think that that would be huge because obviously he knows the ins and outs of how that offense works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Uh, Getting both those guys in uh, makes a big difference, and I think it makes us probably the favorites. I don't know the betting odds. I haven't looked, but I would assume we're the favorites if both of them are there. Um, And, yeah, I think that uh, one of the biggest issues we've had is someone outside of Schroeder that can penetrate the paint uh, in order to create plays and break down the defense, and D'Lo's pretty much the only guy other than LeBron that can do that. So uh, getting him back would be very massive. We saw tonight the implications of not having Anthony Davis. Uh, I know a lot of people are frustrated with him um, and I could sympathize because it is very frustrating when he doesn't play as many games as you would like, but uh, the impact offensively, but more so defensively is undeniable. Um, This team is a whole different team defensively when he is on the court. He's the backbone of the defense. Uh, We saw tonight. uh, I mean, I, Personally, I don't think Mobamba is an NBA caliber player. Uh, And tonight he was just a mess defensively. We kept getting attacked um, over and over again uh, because of his inability to keep uh, track of multiple plays at once. He can only keep track of one guy. uh, And it really hurts us because as a rim protector, if you're only watching the guy with the ball, you're not watching backdoor cutters. You're not watching guys that can get past you in other ways. So uh, and that's what OKC thrives with. So. Super frustrating uh, when you're starting Mobamba, especially when you made the right move last game to start winning Gable, or to play Wendy and Gabriel over him, um, and even though uh, Wenyan has his deficiencies, and he's probably 6'8 on a good day, um, he at least sort of knows what to do on the defensive end, uh, and that makes a big difference. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree, too, um, with Joe that it's important to get a big this off season. Um, I think that Ham has a lot of faults as a coach, um, but partly the the um, love he has for playing small ball uh, is that there's just not a lot of big guys on this roster. Like AD and Bamba are really your only like actual big, big men. Um, outside of that, Vanderbilt and uh, uh, Wenyan are both like six foot eight. Um, so you need you need to find someone that can replace Mobamba as an actual defender uh behind Anthony Davis. I think you're fine, honestly, if you have Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis as your four or five long term, but you need to make sure you get a backup center that is capable of actually defending uh so that we don't get targeted when when Anthony Davis sits out and inev- inevitably sits a lot of games throughout the season. So uh that that should be pretty important. Um yeah, that's that's all I have on that.
1: I have a question for Stone. This is kind of like a black and white question. Do you see a superstar franchise player like a Giannis or Kawhi Leonard picked in the teens this season at the draft?
3: No, I do not. I can elaborate on that unless you guys have something else to talk about which I'm no, absolutely
1: for yeah to go. Gerald, Gerald asked me to ask you that question and I I had been thinking about it and I go what am I <laughs> gonna ask stone that's gonna be relevant instead of who do you thinks going after scoot Henderson uh, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> I deep, wish right? I wish I had a different answer because of love. the amount of talent coming out of this draft that's uh, that's allegedly rival rivaling uh did I say that right Yes, that's rivaling uh, the 03 and 96 draft. What I wanted to know if there was a chance we might see a franchise great coming out of uh, between the 10 and 20 uh, location.
3: If you had asked me this at the same time last year about this draft, I probably would have said there's a possibility. There's a draft. Players that I had watched in high school going into this year, uh, I had much higher hopes for. They have been a lot rawer than I think a lot of people um, in circles that I talk with initially expected. Uh, and it is, um, uh, there's a lot of possibility that this draft isn't nearly as deep as we had initially hoped and thought because there's a lot of guys that thought they were one and dones that may go in the second round. And if that's the case, a lot of times guys. Uh, try and, and boost their stock into the next season. So we could see potentially 10, 15 names that we thought were one and dones go back to college uh, and, and try to boost their stock for next year. Um, but that's not to say there's not good talent in the 10 to 20 range because there's definitely guys that can be impactful and help us uh, just maybe not the the amount of depth uh, going into the second round or, or the strength of that 10 to 20 range that we might've hoped for. At the beginning of the season,
1: so so to to put a button on this. Sorry, Gerald. I'll I'll make this quick. All good. The '96 draft produced two Hall of Fame MVPs in between ten and twenty: Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash. The 2003 draft, I would say, in terms of its impact, was. Bigger in the first five picks, maybe even more than the '96 team. You could you could argue that, right? Even though you had mm-hmm. Camby and Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Marbury, Ray Allen. In my opinion, Wade is better than anybody beyond Allen Iverson. After that, Bosh. It's debatable that he could be better or maybe the same or less than Ray Allen, but not by much. So when you look at the 2003 Draft, it's it's the best collective from the top from from the first four or five beyond. Like you, you're talking about, you know, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, carmel Anthony, and bosh those are all surefire Hall of Famers, right? So, or one of them is already already is, or two of them are already is. Sorry, two of them already are. But I was kind of curious because we do hear this, right? I, I, this is based off of what I've heard. I wasn't sure. Uh, if it was true, but it looks like you guys are getting Laker fandom. You're you're getting the first bit here of what's coming in this year's draft, and it's relevant for us because we're going we're likely going to be picking in that area. So I'm kind of curious to see after all this has happened if this was to be a really really deep draft, could the Lakers luck out and get a Giannis or a Kawhi Leonard in that in those picks?
2: See, you and Gerald are so obsessed with meeting up with the Pelicans because it's so juicy. It is so juicy. If they end up missing the playoffs and getting the number one pick, we know what they're going to do. They're not going to. They're not going to swap it.
0: They're even down if, by three at the half. Just to let even, you know.
2: even if the even if the Lakers pick is advantageous, right? And there's a possibility, however remote it is, that. New Orleans and the Lakers end up one two. That as as remote as possible. like there's probably a better chance of an asteroid hitting us than that happening, right? But there's still I'm gonna play the lottery
0: if that's the case. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it's like you never know, Gerald. I'll t- I'll remind you of the oh, Derrick. Okay, Rose.
0: frozen envelope will actually come into play then.
2: Well, I mean, like the Bulls weren't really looking to win the lottery and somehow they ended up with Derrick Rose. So I, I, I mean, stranger things have happened in the lottery. All I'm saying is this right now it's neck and neck. New Orleans is so confident when we were two and 10 that they were, they were bound, they were bound for the lottery and they were going to make the playoffs. Right. And now it's starting to look like nightmare on Elm street for them once again. Where No matter what happens, no matter whether it's Glenn Rice, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, something always ends up happening with this team where a star player ends up getting hurt and they suffer from it. I've never... uh, There are certain... There are certain... Guarantees in life, Gerald, they say death and taxes, right? Well, there are two more. The Toronto Maple Leafs losing in the first round of the NHL playoffs every year they're in it. And somehow the New Orleans Pelicans having a superstar that can't stay healthy. I've seen it my whole life with this franchise. I don't know what it is. They're cursed. They're cursed. That's the only thing I could think of.
0: We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers, always there talking about everything lakers and the nba there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run so stop by and be part of the conversation today at lakerholics.com well i wanted to go ahead and touch on a couple things here once again it's the lakers fast break thanks so much everybody for joining us Magic Man is killing it as the host. Stone Hansen here from the Upside Swings podcast. Go ahead and check it out today if you are, want to become or are an NBA draft aficionado or want to learn more about the NBA draft. Check out Stone's great podcast with the three guys that are there. Go ahead and check it out today, the Upside Swings podcast. Joe Soro from simpleaids.com is also here. And, of course, Ox1947 on lakersball.com. The Lakers do win. Great win, great victory without LeBron, without a cautionary AD, and without D'Lo. One twenty-three to one seventeen. The Lakers are now thirty and thirty-three, as of right now. They're in eleventh place, a half game out. But then again, the Pelicans and Blazers are playing right now, and it's Look early. At the in Pelican the fly, Pelican. Blazers are leading by four, but Stone, I've got two questions from the chat that I was noticing uh, first up by Richard. Is there anyone in the second round as of now? I know it's early and all the projections are just starting now, but is there anyone that you think might be in the second round that can give the Lakers, you know, the Lakers have done very well drafting in the second round as of recent times. Is there anyone like that in regards to what may be a potentially a, a good rotational player they can find in the second round?
3: Uh, yeah, especially if we're, it's rare that, uh, as Max Christie is kind of showing to put yourself into a role, if you're a second rounder, uh, early on in your career and make like a significant impact for a team, uh, that's trying to compete and, and possibly contend. But, uh, if there are a couple guys that I think, you know, may, um, help shore up some of the needs that we do have uh, one guy I really like, um, is Judah Mintz. Uh, I think he's a very good ball handler, somebody that um, can playmake quite a bit. Uh, He has had his shooting woes, and that uh, obviously is probably not as big of an issue now that we actually have some shooters on the team. But he is someone that can, uh, on nights like tonight, maybe play a little bit more of a role and help handle the ball and playmake a bit. Uh, Another guy I really like, uh, and both of these guys, by the way, are two names that are, are questionable that may return that we thought might be one and dones. Um, so I don't know for sure if they'll stay in the draft, but uh, the other guy I would uh, really like uh, is Jordan Walsh. Um, somebody that I think had aspirations to be a one and done again, may not stick around in this draft, but um, is a really uber athletic uh, six, seven, six, eight wing um, who is absolutely a menace defensively uh, can lock guys down on the perimeter I watched him a lot during the Geico nationals uh, tournament uh, in high school with link Academy. Uh, He shot very well there. He was a good like secondary initiator and passer. Uh, Those things have yet to translate for Arkansas. Um, He's really struggled to handle the ball there um, and sort of find a consistent role for him off ball where Nick Smith and Anthony black are taking the majority of the usage. So I do like him as more of a project type guy. Um, Obviously, uh, can bring that defense from day one, but, but the offensive skills are, are waiting a little bit and, and have to be smoothened out. So he may return.
0: Last thing I want to ask you, because there's some great questions in the chat is regards to three and D players that you see in the draft that might be eligible. Cause I'm thinking outside of Sean's great thinking there on one and two, let's say we don't hit the lottery or lightning doesn't strike me. <laughs> and actually, you know, we don't get it. Uh, probably going to be somewhere in the teens that we're going to be drafting do you see any potential three and d wings in that area
3: yeah so this draft is absolutely uh in the first round at least there's tons of elite shooting in the first round uh excellent excellent shooters the problem is there's not a lot of two-way type guys Um, a lot of these excellent shooters have uh, defensive deficiencies i would say um but uh, a couple names that I think might uh, be able to help uh, Chris Murray, brother of um, Keegan Murray that was taken last year, uh, more of a bigger wing, like a power type wing, you could say, I guess. Um, he's been playing well in Iowa. He's been playing very well, Iowa. Uh, somebody that I think is a little bit more of a natural passer than Keegan uh, as someone who's more of a connective passer, uh, still a decent, pretty good shooter as well. Um, and, defensively is not going to get burned um more than likely uh, i'm trying to find guys that are more in the range that we would be maxwell lewis is another one he struggles defensively though um, julian strother is another guy awesome shooter but again really struggles defensively uh there's just a lot of those type of guys that that are more one-way guys especially in the range that we'll be pick, we'll be picking so as far as three and d i would say there's not really like a a definitive answer i have for you in that 10 to 20 type range
0: i understand oh, that's uh that's that's a good point yeah because you know it's always uh, a crapshoot when you get into that area because now you're looking at guys that can potentially be great rotation players or easily fought out of the league within three to four years damn for tonight's game though joe any more questions i mean dennis schroeder he killed it in the second half and i and on playback.tv slash lakers fast break that was something that that both sean uh j Row uh, Nick Molina, we all talked about. Even Zangerstein, we all talked about that. You know, in that second half, Dennis Schroeder had to step it up after having such a poor first half. Uh, were you happy with the way he played, and and hopefully he could translate this into consistent play going forward as eventually a backup to D'Lo? Well,
1: I mean, that's obviously the 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 hope is he's the perfect backup to the point guard. That's yeah. him coming off the bench. Is 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 it the right? He, that's his spot. That's the right spot. Uh, Austin Reeves, as talented as he's becoming, his benefit would be to come off the bench and be a six-man-of-the-year type. Mm -hmm. Starter? Yeah, he can be a starter. His skills are there. But we need more Vanderbilts and Beasleys in those positions because those guys do something that – Austin's never going to be able to really do. They have lateral lateral speed, lateral coverage, that that's God-given athleticism that that is important on a on a on a title team with a player like LeBron and A.D. and uh D'Angelo Russell. Uh I, I don't think we we realize how skilled athletically a lot of these players are and how important that athleticism is, especially in this current culture of the NBA, how to close on a three point guy, how to get down the court real quick. You know, those things are amazing. The reason why Rui is such an appealing player is he's built like a freaking brick house and he can actually sort of move. The problem is, and it's kind of similar to some degree with Mobamba is they have these amazing physical attributes. And their physical specimens. The problem is they don't know how to use it, whether it's in their head or whether their hands and their their head don't connect the right way. It's there's no consistency there, and it's not game in and game out. Now they have value in spots, but unfortunately, we have enough of those guys right now in the, in important spots. We can't just have everybody like that. We need now, let's say, a veteran type player. That can come in and be a microwave, you know, type player where you can get you 15 points a game and you know that's what he does. Or you have someone back there like a JaVel McGee. Yes, JaVale McGee wasn't the greatest center of all time, but man, that guy, every game during the 2020 season, he'd get a couple of alley oops and he'd just be a problem when anyone got to the to the hoop. He just was a problem because he's too big, he's too long, and he knew his role. So those are the type of guys that I'm hoping the Lakers can bring in. And then the extra young youth guys go into the next season knowing that you guys are going to have to pick up the slack a little bit more, especially when load management happens. Because that's the way we are now. Yes. the way we are.
3: There is – Really quick two guys that I think would really, really benefit the Lakers in free agency that I'm hoping we target. I'm assuming Kyrie remains in, in Dallas. Um, so I'm sort of taking him off the, off the board, but the two guys, cause we will have cap space. Um, it, it's dependent on, you know, whether we re-sign D'Lo, but uh, I think we'll pick up Beasley's option. We'll obviously keep Vando on the deal that he has. Um, but you know, Lonnie will be off the books. Uh, I believe Re may be expiring. And We'll
0: probably say no to Mobamba.
3: Yeah, we uh, Mo are
1: hoping we say no to yeah. So we'll Wait have don't, don't, don't anger Laker Tom there. G, come on. <laughs> uh,
3: man, I really hope Mobamba. I, I, you know, I feel you know, I feel bad
0: season. that I ever got Laker Tom turned on to Mobamba. You know, I, I totally <laughs> Because I see, you know, he has promise, Sacred Tom. He can hit the three, blah blah blah. And he's like, "Oh, really? Let me look into this." He started looking into this. He started liking it. But I'm like, I've learned, as you <laughs> know, Stone. The, as I say all the time, the theory of Mo Bamba is better at Sean. Like I always say, the practice of Mo Bamba. So. Hundred percent,
2: Do You you kind of nailed the the analysis with the, uh, you know, just his overall performance. Um,
0: my God, if I was seven foot one with a seven, 10 reach, who could hit the three.
2: Yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's why it must've, it must've hurt him when, when Austin rivers told him that, you know, the, the, your only claim to fame is that you had a rap song named after you. That, that, was, <laughs> that was, that was, a that good was song, pretty though. good. Yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah. come on Austin. That was, you didn't need to go there, brother. <laughs> like seriously <laughs> but you know like it's it, you know we all saw him in uh in Orlando in Orlando Gerald and I've been listening to Stone you know for a couple years now and he, like he was kind of adamant from uh kind of from the start that you know he's just he's a project and he's not just a project he's a real project he needs development skills that you know goes for months 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 non-stop and And, you know he it and it goes to what joe was saying about how he he surmises that because because his motor isn't in a high place that that reflects poorly on self-motivation i think there's something to be said for that
0: well let me ask you this Sean and Ask Stone and you've known this for many years and Joe too, as well. Okay, well, project, the word project. We've seen and heard it for decades now. I remember Chuck Nevitt was the original project for the Lakers. How did that work out? I, how many times in an NBA Stone have you actually seen these projects actually work out?
3: I mean there's different levels to it to rawness, but it, it's definitely like you need a baseline floor, and I think that Mobambo is one of those. Uh, I, I don't like to use the term "boom or bust" because there's very few guys that are boom or bust um, in reality. But but Mobambo is very much that way. Like he was either going to be a, a really high level impact player or just not be capable of staying in the league. And I think he's he's um, quickly headed towards the the second direction. Generally bigs too, a lot of times the, the shooting is theoretical for a lot of people uh, get really enticed with the shooting if you're that big. Uh, but a lot of times it becomes a lot more theoretical, especially uh, when you're that big, you're you're basically a standstill shooter. You're not really uh, doing any sort of versatility or movement shooting. But the the two names I really think, because we can talk about a lot of these sort of role players the Lakers could bring in that would help us going into next year but ultimately i don't think bringing in like one or two guys that are, are high level role players are even going to really get us into contention i think we need to take a bigger step and we will have a level of flexibility um i think someone that could really really help us would be fred van vliet i know he's an unrestricted free agent and getting someone that is super uh, a really high level point of attack defender and an awesome shooter he
0: still has A lot left in the tank you know he
3: is i would i would sign him i would definitely sign him to a two or three year deal i would avoid four year at any cost and if it's a three year i would try and get a team option he's looking for a five but he's not gonna get it i don't think the raptors are not gonna be the team to give it to him and generally if you're not that team a lot of teams will not be looking to to give him that level of five year max type deal um but his teammate too, I think, could be a huge help, Gary Trent Jr. Um, yeah, if there's a absolutely. cheaper alternative, uh, I think he's probably more than a role player. He's definitely like more of a, a, you know, a high level role player, I guess you could say, or starter level. Uh, I think that he checks a lot of boxes for what the Lakers need in specific. I think for the Raptors, he's become more of like a chucker type, uh, but in the Lakers, I think he's sort of what they need as this floor spacer, uh, guy who can get his own shot. Uh, And again, be a point of attack defender. So I think you need those types of guys that can help you with spacing and ball handling, but also defense sort of all in one. And you sort of need that in in one player, I think. Uh, And those, especially Van Fleet would be sort of my my first options if Kyrie's
2: not around. And Gerald, in answer to your question, the best project probably over the, I would say the last, 25 26 I could tell you
0: were putting thought into it. I yeah. could see you. You're like, yeah. uh, that's a hard question there. Yeah,
2: it was. The one name that finally popped up was Jermaine O'Neal. In his first four seasons, he was buried on that bench. He didn't play because the, of sheet. The, the, He didn't play because That's yes. that's, a,
1: that's a great that's great name and I, I I didn't mention that when I was talking to Stone about Star uh, a star franchise player in the team. So looking back at the '96 draft, you That's had Kobe. One. That's a good one, though, Sean. Yeah, Kobe the, and Nash; yeah. those are the two, right? Then you had Jermaine O'Neal, seven at seventeen.
2: Like just, just like if if the, if those four seasons are different for his career, he's a Hall of Fame player, no doubt, no doubt.
1: And the, he just didn't have there, there was too much talent on that Portland team in the beginning of the 2000s. He didn't he. <laughs> they didn't they – didn't yeah, did. yeah, no. And then the Zydrunas Elgowskis was picked 20th. So you had – you had legitimate starters, impact players, all-stars, Hall of Famers with Kobe Bryant at 13, Peja Stojakovic at 14, Steve Nash at 15. Jermaine O'Neal at seventeen and Zadrunis Algaskis at twenty, and then you had Tony Delk to throw in there, hmm. who scored fifty in a game at sixteen. I still, I, I, I can honestly say that the nineteen ninety six draft was the greatest draft, probably in sports cool. That was yeah. that, that whole draft was just unreal. How much talent came out of it?
3: Yeah. Uh, I'll inevitably get things wrong in this draft, as I do with every draft, because it's a not there's no formula to it, and there's a hundred percent, uh, it's it's nothing's bulletproof in
2: terms of. No, so, you no, you've predict. been right on every but, pick. <laughs> every, you've been right
0: on
3: every. I, I wish I could
2: say picks. that. You, you, you're more but, green than red, brother. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're more green than red. I'll
1: tell you what. If yeah. you were right, if you start to get right on everything, you're gonna help the show get bigger. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Hope you know. Hopefully, that's the case. But there, there's going to be someone taken past pick 20 that's going to be exceed anybody's expectations. Uh, and for me, nobody really stands out at this point as that name. Uh, but no inevitably, there's Walker Kessler's to you. That, that was a huge miss of mine.
0: Um, I I knew yeah, Walker.
3: you you liked Walker for sure. I was very low on him and, and stand corrected on that. So there's inevitably going to be guys that are, you know, outperforming expectations uh, in this draft. For me, there's no clear cut answer, um, but hopefully it winds up being whoever the Lakers take. So we'll see.
0: Sean, uh, you know, you're leading us, man. So where are we going next or are we heading on out? You tell me.
2: Uh, You know, what, Gerald, Um, I've got nothing left in the tank for you, my man. I've drained, I've drained my battery for you. Okay. I am at, I am at, No battery right now.
0: Okay, you've done a a great job. Well, I appreciate you starting it up for us, Stone. Great having you here. Uh, Before we give everybody the big shout out on why they need to check out your your awesome podcast, I do want to mention that Thursday, I'm hoping that I can get the guys together for NBA observations for what we were supposed to have on Monday, which was a conversation on the Wild West. And also if uh, we will see somebody beat Kobe's and Wilt's scoring record. I would love to have a conversation, hear your thoughts on that, because we've seen a lot of 50, 60, and 70 point games in this modern NBA, so I want to hear your thoughts on that. On an NBA observations tomorrow, if we can go ahead for an hour, I would really, really would love that. And then on Friday, I know Jamie keeps pestering for a show on Friday. Maybe we could do that, but also as well, you got to remember Friday, the post game and of course but we're going to be on because Minnesota's going to be in town against the Lakers, and Going to be here for playback.tv slash Fast Break. Join us there. But Friday morning, what's coming up, Magic?
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, we've got a, a game preview for, uh, for our wonderful fans out there, Gerald. And I'm going to ask Joe Soro to be a guest again as we delve into dinner for breakfast. I want to bring or, some
1: bacon this time. Or what about
2: breakfast for dinner? Mmm. Yeah. What? Well, I had a wonderful chicken parm sandwich that was excellent.
1: The same one that Peyton Manning eats? No, no. Uh, uh,
0: okay, it, it, I think it's okay to have dinner for breakfast, but is it okay to have breakfast for dinner? Oh, I've done
2: that a hundred times. Yes. yeah. I I am I'm oh, not yeah. going to be a hypocrite at all, Gerald. Dinner for breakfast, breakfast for dinner. You come I'm back from the that. gym,
1: and you 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 have. You know, scrambled eggs with... I've
2: eaten cereal for, for oh, dinner. God, i mean cereal at like one in the morning. morning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Stone, any thoughts on this major discussion we're having?
3: I used to be addicted to cereal. I had to get off of it. Um, I had it too often, so I now I eat eggs for breakfast. But...
0: I was huge on raisins. I would eat it any time of the day, two to three times a day. I agree. There's
3: I agree. there's no cereal I dislike, really. Yes. I, love cereal. Uh, I, I, have I haven't had think... it in a couple of years. I had to cut myself off of it. It's addicting. It is.
2: <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's not talked about often the only thing enough. Is,
0: okay. It gets the milk all chocolate, but then the, the pebbles themselves, they lose their flavor.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Milk is... <laughs> Say that again, <laughs> They lose their flavor.
1: <laughs> Cocoa Krispies are the best, in my opinion. Uh, Cocoa Puffs and uh, Cocoa or whatever the other Cocoa one that what you about guys about Cookie eat. Crisps? After a while, you just might as well just inject sugar in your veins. I, I, I keep it at Cocoa Krispies. For some reason, I always felt like it wasn't too sweet, even though that was... It's not true. If you want to eat healthy cereal, maybe honey bunches of oats? What's wrong with good old-fashioned oatmeal, brother? Oatmeal's good with blackberries. I, I, do, I, I used to do that a lot. But yeah, unfortunately... I will- I was gonna say.
2: I was gonna say
0: before. If you come to Vegas, I can take you to play. There's a place on the Strip that serves nothing but cereals.
3: Mm.
0: We're going. I'll be out there for summer league. You'll have to tell me. Yes.
1: Yes. The best breakfast you you can eat for your health is eggs, oatmeal, real oatmeal, not the instant stuff, and then um, a good protein, which. You know, I, I try to maybe go with a little turkey, bacon, or some kind of turkey sausage. Uh, pork, sometimes I go back and forth. Obviously, pork tastes a little bit better. But if you want to go top-notch, good health, you want to stick to something that's got some fat in it, eat a lot of fats in the morning. Uh, avocado and yo- egg yolk is the combination there with uh, Cholula and salt is some of the best taste that you can have. Yeah, so at least your, your brain is eating something that tastes good. And it's I've healthy. Had-
3: avocado and eggs now for like two years and i haven't gotten sick of it it still tastes pretty good it's so good it's yeah. so good
1: and it's so good for you too they've gone back and forth on whether yolk was a bad thing for you it's not it is it's not it is it's like a constant back and forth at the end of the day what's bad for you is probably good for gerald what's okay good for Nothing- you what's good for gerald might be bad for sean i don't know yeah we're all different well, I'm i I'm, I'm
2: a type one diabetic. Whatever
1: is good for you guys is not good for me. Yeah, that's let's definitely. Let's uh, simplify uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we some of us are are lucky enough to be like Rick Flair. Rick Flair has drank probably more alcohol than oh my gosh. than than <laughs> uh, than Hooters has served beer. Right, so I, he
0: no longer bleeds when he cuts himself. If he ever came back for match, he would actually just just drain out Jack Daniels, yeah, or Martini. <laughs> Yeah, I watched the doc- like, this
1: recent documentary, and he said he has no pain anywhere right now. His regenerative, he is, seriously, he is like the, the, the Bruce he, Matthews he just, and, and the Clay Matthews. But, uh, has, yeah, he's- his,
2: uh, has his current uh, wife had their child yet? Because I know he was, uh, he was leaving for the child.
1: I, I heard he was getting divorced.
0: Uh, yeah, that's from Wendy, the, the former uh maid Ballet. that he was. Yeah, the well, it was she was a maid, Fifi the maid is what she played in WCW. Yeah, a long yeah. Time ago. I think he they're having oh. a divorce or something. Yeah, Stone, I'm sorry we're going off the track, but I know you wanted to say something. Uh, go ahead, my friend.
3: Oh no, I had nothing. Nothing okay. else.
0: I will tell you though, it is the serial killers, just like there we see with Magic Man and the bilibus murderer that he is. There is the that's serial my Tang name in the Miracle Mile. Right there in Planet Hollywood. Yeah, there you go. If you love your cereal and you love and you're on the Las Vegas strip, it's serial killer's kitchen. So
2: I'll be there. That's a great name, by the way.
1: What about Bilibus Murderer?
2: That's my yeah. Wu Tang name.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: I was bored the other day and I put it in the Wu-Tang name generator, and that's what my name would be. I put all your names in except for stones. I haven't done stones yet.
3: It <laughs> might just come out the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there might be big Gerald, a bigger difference. We have our
2: shirt for the night. Please post that one by Stone Hanson.
0: <laughs> I'll see what I can do. But before we head on out, uh Sean, is it okay if I ask uh, Stone to make sure everybody knows why they need to check out his great podcast? What what, 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 do you have for an episode upcoming with with uh, with your with the crew at Upside Swings?
3: Well, we just released today, actually, basically a three-hour podcast. Uh, if if you if you want to break it into chunks, we also have um, timestamps of what prospects we talked about where. Um, and we talked about uh, all the elite wing shooters, or or the the first portion of the elite wing shooters. So, Jet Howard, Greedy Dick, Brandon Miller, and um, uh, Gigi Jackson. Uh, we talked about all those guys. Uh, just released that today and we'll be recording another one tomorrow on on some guards in this class so uh, that's what we have coming up and what uh, you can check out and if you want to learn more about the draft I'm constantly posting clips uh, and and just sort of thoughts on the draft in general and certain players uh, and I try and break down what's what I see in games through clips um, is, is the best way I can do that so Uh, If you like that and want to support, uh, you could follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. uh, And that's pretty much where I share any work that I do.
0: Uh, There you go. Report underscore court on Twitter. And then, of course, the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Richard, yes, Magic Man has a show, too. It will be Friday morning, 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, 10.30 your time. Is that correct?
2: Yes, sir. We're going live. Around the same time, so it'll be ten thirty, my time, seven thirty, on the West Coast. All right, Well get that coffee ready, everyone, for Magic Man Thursday in the morning.
1: Mercenary.
0: Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm, well, okay. So, what did mine say? I'm waiting. Wandering
2: Footbearer.
0: Oh my dear lord! <laughs> All right, send us home, my friend. I yeah. think on that note, you got a perfect send us name
1: home. for Gerald. <laughs>
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are the best Lakers crew out there on Earth, planet Earth, on the internet right now. You guys make us, you, you give me the fuel I need in the morning. Because when I wake up and it's game day, I, I'm prepping for you guys. Because we need to deliver the goods for you. Because when they lose, people tend to want to vent And I want you to be able to come to this place and vent with us and chill. And when we win, we celebrate together. We can always sally together and we can always lose together. And you've been the greatest audience we could ask for. We're closing in on some squad goals we have.
0: 500, Uh, we're almost there.
2: We're almost there. But this is, as much as it is a numbers game, I think Stone, Gerald, Joe, you would agree, it's a grind game too. It's just about being available for your audience as much as possible. And we want to thank you guys. And with that note, we'll say goodnight from Lakers Fast Break. See you all Friday.